And as you know, uh, it's my habit to begin preaching the Word of God by turning right to the Scripture. I hope you have your Bible. Now, we're going to bring our Bibles to church until Jesus comes again, aren't we? Amen? Amen, brothers and sisters? Don't come to church without your Word. Amen? Bring the Word of God to the house of the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll read to you verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, in the Word of God. It says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. I would say that's my main text for this morning. Although we'll, uh, we'll rummage around in the Word of God for treasure. This will be the main verse. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The word particular has a familiar word in it more familiar to us even than the word particular, and that is the word part. It's like saying you are the parts of the body of Christ. In fact, the New Living Translation reads this way, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And the subject for this morning is the body of Christ, the body of Christ. Every place in the Word of God where it refers to the body of Christ it uses the Greek word soma. It's very simple, very simple, direct, and straightforward expression, the body of Christ. In Greek, the soma of Christ. Maybe we want to say, in order to uh, help us understand this concept, the word team as a substitute for body. We are the different members of Christ's team. Or maybe we would, uh, because of our personal tastes and sensibilities, we would prefer something like more militant, like army. We are soldiers in the army of Christ. But the Bible prefers body. Body. Take, uh, take these three terms, body, team, and army, and compare them in terms of the individual, which of those terms would express a more complete connection, absorption, placing within the whole? I would suggest that body does. Because teammates go home after the game. They go home after the practice. Nowadays, teammates may enter into the transfer portal if they think a better opportunity is with that team over there. They check out of one team and go into another. We live in the age of uh, free agency when it comes to team membership. We live in the age of career path. That's career path. That's a That's a reality and a phenomenon that we're all very familiar with. In today's day and age, you could check out of one team and check into another team if it's good for your career path. I would say body's a lot more permanent and committed than team, especially as it's used in our day and age. How about army? An army is deployed by divisions into needy places. 
needy places on the border, needy places in the world, dangerous places, places of threat and risk. And the army is very high tech, very technological. It's kind of a plug and play institution. You pull, you pull a division out of one place and you put a division into another place and you move it around like chess pieces. But the, the Bible prefers the term body. And when you're part of a body, you don't check in and check out. Oh, my, my finger checked out of my hand the other day. It decided to become part of my foot. I was kind of, I had a sore toe. So my big thumb checked out of my hand and checked into my foot. A body, by definition, lives as one. A body is organic and committed, warts and all. You know, we're going to be referring to the church as the body of Christ, and you know, The church has some warts. Everything's not pretty. That doesn't give us the right and justification to check out. Being a member of the body of Christ is part of God's plan for every Christian. Everybody who names the name of the Lord. And people are checking out of the church nowadays, and they have their reasons. They find the church uh, uncomfortable, dictatorial, authoritative, oppressive, something like that. People there aren't perfect. They find some hypocrites in the church. I'll tell you, none of that justifies checking out of the church. The church's membership in the body of Christ is to be part of our lives, and in fact, It's probably the uncomfortable things about the church that are the reason why the Lord wants us to be part of the church. He just wants to work on our patience a bit. He wants to work on our forgiveness a bit. He wants to work on our tenderheartedness a bit. We don't do as well when we're alone with ourselves. Uh, when the church is called the body of Christ, it is, it is designating the church with a life phenomenon, a biological phenomenon, not a social phenomenon, a psychological phenomenon, an institutional phenomenon, not a political or organizational phenomenon. It calls us something that is a life phenomenon, a body I understand the church is often thought of as a social or political or institutional thing, an organizational thing, because it will have some of those qualities. But they are not to be the main quality of the church. The main quality of the church is to be life. It is a life phenomenon. A body is alive. The parts of a body all have life. At the same time, the body needs its parts to live. It is amazing to be a part of the body of Christ, if you ask me. It, in fact, it amazes me 
that every single Christian who has a knack for communication and leading, if you have, in a sense, the talents for communication and leading, I don't get why every one of them doesn't want to be a pastor. I'll tell you plainly. I would think if you have a knack for communication and you have a knack for leading, that the best place to use it is not in corporate America. It's not in building a business. I would think you'd want to use it to be a pastor. To care for the body of Christ might seem... To have too many headaches. I'll tell you, I can't believe that being a pastor has more headaches than being a business owner. Or a politician? Oy vey! Those guys and those men and women have headaches. Maybe you are, you know, not interested in being a pastor because pastors seem meddlesome. I know, I don't like that part of being a pastor either. But, you know, is there a, is there a, a, a duty and a calling in this world that doesn't have its unpleasant parts to it? Come on. Every, every... You know, I was an English teacher for quite a while. I can tell you I graded a lot of papers and didn't like any of it. Maybe you just immediately dismiss pastor for you because it's too out front, too much in the public eye. I can get over that because I just want to participate. Once I was on a soccer team called the Rochester Juniors, and it was a 19 and under team, but I was only 16 years old, and the coach felt a little squeamish about first letting me try out and then letting me make the team and then putting me on the field. And so I spent the first month or so of the season on the bench. I'd never been on the bench before in my life. It was a great experience for me. It was very frustrating on the bench, on the bench. And I could understand being shy. I could understand being afraid. I could understand being timid and not wanting to put yourself out in the public eye, you know, out there on the field where everybody can look at you and see you and identify you every mistake you make. But I'll tell you, I was just driven to participate. And I understand that to participate, you have to get off the bench and you have to come into the public eye. Romans 12, 4. Let's go to another verse that mentions the body of Christ. We'll go through a couple of these verses in the Bible that mention the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, all the members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. You see the word office here. All the members have not the same office. It sounds like corporation talk, office. It sounds like business world talk, office. It sounds like political world talk, office. And maybe it's a function of the King James Bible being translated in the year 1600 when Europe was kind of owned by the church. 
it was everywhere. It was the government. It was the government as well as the faith office. The King James translators, frankly, forgot which side of the metaphor they were on. There's the church and there's the body. You can speak of offices in a church, but you don't speak of the offices of foot, head, hand, elbow, lung. Body parts, members of a body don't have offices. They have functions. And in fact, I checked 26 English translations of this, these verses yesterday, and 21 out of 26 say function instead of office. 21 out of 26. For as many have, as, for we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same function. Oh, okay, now you're talking about a body. I understand that. Hands and fingers and feet and knees and lungs and brains. All the organs, all the tissues have functions. Toes don't run around on their own. Thank the Lord. Unless you're watching a cheesy horror movie. I've heard that a chicken body, after its head is cut off, will run around for a little while blind. They did a lab on that in science class at Living Word Academy, but they only did it once. (laughs) Brother Richards was an adventurous soul when it came to science labs, but he knew when enough was enough. That's an ugly sight. And that is not a picture of the body of Christ running around with it, like a chicken with its head cut off. That's just ugly. The parts of the body don't have a life outside of the body. Let's go to another uh, body passage from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. 4.16 reads, From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Well, that's a lot of language in the book of Ephesians. is very wordy. And the Apostle Paul just lays on the language. But if you could get past the the verbiage, you see that each part supplies something to the body. Each part is giving something real to the body. Many parts work together to provide sustenance for the body. Take take, uh, the... uh, the body of a living organism. Take the body of a human being. The different parts of the body are used to bring air and warmth and food and drink and nutrition, protection, uh, uh, safety to the body. The systems of the body bring nutrition into the body and send out waste The respiratory system, for example, brings oxygen into the body and expels from the body 
CO2, carbon dioxide, waste. We don't want the CNO2. We want the oxygen. So all the different parts of the body are bringing to it nutrition and the things necessary for life, warmth, and so on, and getting rid of those things which are toxic to life. Praise God. Where it says here, fitly joined together and compacted, it means they are brought together and then work together. Let's just turn back a page or two to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22. It says here, And he hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fullness of Jesus in the world. Oh, I don't think so, somebody may say. I don't think it's the fullness of Jesus in the world because I see faults in the church and faults in the people and I knew of a hypocrite that was there and there are some people that are just sinning up a storm and they sit right in the pews with all the rest. I know we can find fault in the church forever, but it does not take away the truth that the fullness of Christ in this world is found in the body of Christ, which is the church. My bias is coming through. My faith is coming through. I have great reverence for the body of Christ. Praise God. You remember these verses in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says, Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. And verse 30 says, for we are members of his body. And this is very interesting here. It says, of his flesh and of his bones. We are members of his flesh and of his bones. We are called to be the hand of Jesus in this world, to be the voice of Jesus in this world. To see like he sees. By the way, speaking of seeing as he sees, do you think the Lord sees the inflation that's going on in America and in the world? Do you think the Lord sees? Uh, This is the worst inflation we've had in 40 years. I would say 40 years ago, Living Word Church was not in a great place to minister to those who are really suffering from inflation. But now we are. God has prospered us. God has given greatly to us. And the elders are talking about and praying about what we can do. Because inflation is putting a real hurt on a lot of people including some of you right here in the congregation. We understand. It is squeezing you. And many in the church are in a place where we can help. And we should pray about what God wants. Amen? All of us should pray about what God wants. The believers 
Are Christ's flesh and bones in this world working together, physically working together in this world for the mission of Christ? We are functioning as his flesh and bones in the world. You are his hands. You are his feet. You are his voice. He is the spirit and soul. He's the spirit and soul. He's the head. He is the one who is willing. He is the one who is thinking. He is the one who's planning. It is his heart we follow, but we are his flesh and his bones. The language of the Bible is strong, isn't it, brothers and sisters? It's strong and it's almost, we could say, uncomfortable. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just running through the concordance, doing a little concordance work on body, on on the word body when it refers to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. So also is Christ. Is Christ. We may wonder if the Apostle Paul slipped up a little bit here. I slip often. I can't get to 9 o'clock without slipping up on something, 9 o'clock in the morning. Please be patient with me, but Paul is not stumbling here. Christ is the head of his body. He does have a flesh and bone seated at the right hand of the throne of God, but he does have a flesh and bones that is right here in this world. Not my statement, not my thought, not my way of expressing it. It's the Bible's way of expressing it. The body is not headless, but the head is not bodiless. Once again, this refers to all of Christ in all times and places. It refers to the spiritual oneness and interdependence of all Christians. We share Christ's salvation. We share the Holy Spirit. We share God's mission. We take orders from Christ and get power from Christ. The term body of Christ is such a powerful and important concept. In fact, it's such an important concept, we might expect or anticipate that it would be used even more in the Bible than it is because I have run through already today most of the references to the body of Christ in the Bible. That's, that's just about it. Now granted, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 goes on at length about the body, but it's still, it's, it's basically one passage about the body of Christ. We have now touched on just about all of them. That's about it. In other words, it's not in the Gospels. There's not a single reference to the body of Christ in the Gospels. It's not in the writings of Luke. Luke wrote the Acts, the book of Acts, as well as um, the Gospel of Luke. It's not in the writings of Peter, James, John. 
John never uses the term body of Christ. Neither in the Gospel of John, the letters of John, or the book of Revelation. Interesting, isn't it? The term body of Christ, or just the term body, Greek soma, when it refers to the unified mission-sharing believers, is used only by the Apostle Paul. It's his term. And it is used only in four of his letters. It's used once in Romans. We read it. It's used quite a bit here in 1 Corinthians 12. And he uses it a few times in Ephesians and in Colossians. And we did not look at the ones in Colossians for time's sake. Why Paul? Why would it be Paul? Paul's term, you might say, the body of Christ. Calling the church the body of Christ. Taking it to such an extreme. Saying, we are Christ. His flesh and his bones in the earth. Now, granted, Jesus taught the concept without the term. Not using the term body of Christ, he taught the concept. For instance, church. Jesus taught about the church. In Greek, it's the ecclesia. And Jesus refers to the, to the church exactly a total of two times. Both in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 16, 18. I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The ecclesia. Here he refers to the universal body of Christ. The body of Christ for all time, all place. The body of uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that are alive at this moment and that have died. The church of the past and the church of the future. A spiritual brotherhood of faith. All the people that are born again. All those who have been spiritually made alive by grace through faith. Jesus also uses the word church one other time in the Gospel of Matthew. This is the total of two times that Jesus used the term church, and we're so thankful that he did. Matthew 18, 17 says, And if he neglect, this is, this is someone who has wronged someone else in the church, if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Here Jesus is using the word church not in reference to the universal church of all time and all place and all believers, past, present, and future. Here he is referring to a local, limited assembly of believers, people who know each other, people who talk to each other, people who make themselves accountable to each other. They define what is in the church and not in the church. The people do this. The people define in the church and out of the church because here we see that they have a right to put somebody out of the church who is not listening, who is not receiving correction. Jesus said, let him be unto you as a heathen man. Put him out. There's an in. There's an out to the local church. He can go around the street and say, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to the assembly. Well, he 
If he's right, he's part of the universal body of Christ, but he's not part of the local church. And Jesus speaks of both of these. The church in the universal sense and the church in the local sense. Every time you see the word church in the Bible, you've got to think to yourself, is this a reference to the local church or to the universal church? Only two mentions of the church in the, all of the teachings of Jesus and all of the words of Jesus. But thank God for them because they are perfect. They are, they are perfectly balanced and rounded. They speak so much to us. I think only Jesus could say a word twice, uh, at three times, I guess, twice in one verse, once in the other verse, could say it, in two passages, it means so much. Praise God. So where is this concept of a body? Many members in one unified, interdependent, and living whole. Where is it in the teaching of Christ? Well, I'm sure it's more than one place, but what comes to my mind is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, and that's John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches, right? He decides to use a metaphor there of a living organism. Are branches any less vine than the trunk of the vine? Or are they not all one plant? Amen? One plant with one mission to bear fruit. The only way that the branches can be fruitful is to be connected to the trunk. The branches are the place of fruit, but Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen? There's the vine trunk, the vine branch, but it's all vine. It has a shared mission to bear grapes. No branch has any capability outside of the trunk. It's one living organism with one message. There's Christ teaching the concept body of Christ. Just as the Apostle Paul teaches it, Christ already taught it. By connection, the Apostle John is teaching it. Because he's quoting Jesus here. Nevertheless, we need Paul. The church needs Paul. The Bible needs Paul to teach us about the function of the body of Christ. Why Paul? Why is it that Paul is the only one that uses this term? I would suggest to you, as a beginning explanation, that he has the most experience with the body of Christ, especially with the local church. He had the most experience of all the apostles, and he became an expert on the body of Christ in the local church. This man did. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Nevertheless, I labored more than they all. 1 Corinthians 12, 15. Let me read a few verses here. Are you with me? 
if the foot shall say, hmm, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body. What a powder. What a complainer that would be. But the hand doesn't say that, right? When you have an itch on your foot, your hand itches your foot. The foot says, thank you, hand. And the hand says, no problem, foot. I'm glad I don't have to walk around on my hands. My brother was a gymnast in high school. He could walk halfway across the yard on his hands. But he's glad he didn't have to walk to school to gymnastics practice on his hands. Verse 16, and if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not part of the body, is it therefore not part, not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Did you know? My nose is running and my feet smell. Never mind. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. The head, Jesus Christ, needs the hands and the feet of the church. Where's the local church? Is our only connection to a kind of spiritual, mystical brotherhood of the saved, is that the only connection for us? Is there not also a sense of being physically near and physically interconnected? Jesus said it. There's a local church. People who are accountable to each other. It has a boundary. It has an in and an out. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, this is our original verse, now ye are, member, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The Apostle Paul was not writing to all people in all places, even though this teaching in 1 Corinthians is good for all Christians at all times and in all places. It made it into the Bible. Our book of rule. It rules us in faith and in practice. It is our book. It is the foundation of our faith and thinking. It is our guide and our light in the world. And these passages made their way into the Bible. But when he spoke them, he wasn't talking to everybody. Remember earlier I asked, why Paul? Why the Apostle Paul? And I said... To begin the answer, he was the most experienced when it came to the church. That we know of, he was an expert. That's why Paul. He's the one person who calls the church the body of Christ. And I want to tell you something interesting. He is the only writer of the New Testament who directs letters to cities. He's the only one. James writes letter, a letter, Peter writes a couple letters, John writes several letters, but only Paul 
directs his letters to certain cities and the churches within those cities. He's the only one. He writes directly to city churches. He, more than any person we know of from that time, worked in local churches to establish the mission of Christ. Am I telling you the truth? And this term, the body, the body, it became like an epiphany to him as he worked in city after city. Very interesting. You don't see the Apostle Paul telling us about many of his ministries while he was traveling. I'm sure he witnessed to everybody he met. But that's not what we hear about in his writings. We don't hear about what happened on the road from here to there very much. We hear some of that in the book of Acts, but the book of Acts wasn't the Apostle Paul's writing. What we hear about from the Apostle Paul is his work in cities. And he names the cities. There's Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica and uh, Athens and Corinth, Rome, Antioch, Jerusalem, Caesarea. He names them. His letters are laced with references to dozens of specific people. He wasn't just, you know, firing buckshot into the air when he ministered the Word of God. He was more like a sniper, knowing the people he was working with, the people, their hearts, their heads, their troubles, their trials, their faith, their service. He knew their names. He knew this concept of the body of Christ better than anyone to date. A living organism, the body of Christ. Let's jump ahead uh, uh, up a little bit on our page to verse 4. It says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In the limited time I have left to speak with you this morning, I'd like to cover these three terms, the gifts, the administrations, and the operations. And honestly, once again, the King James sounds sounds very stilted. It sounds like uh, a corporate description, a description of a corporation, administrations, operations. You have to wonder every time a word ends in T-I-O-N, right? But the words are actually very simple, common Greek words. They're everyday words. They're not stilted in Greek And the words more simply translated would be gifts. I think gifts is common enough for us. Instead of administrations, service. And instead of operations, work. Gifts, service, and work. I think the uh, King James sounds too institutional. Because the body of Christ is not institutional, it's a living organism. 
Gifts we understand. The first word, gifts. We understand from last week in in our years and years of study of the Bible. They are the charismata, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can see them named in verses 8 through 10. Nine gifts, and I mentioned them last week. They're to be used. These gifts are to be used by people for the common good. The Holy Spirit gives them, and they're manifestations of the Spirit for the common good of the people. The business of the church is people. The ministries are for the people. One for all and all for one. The second word, administrations, is the simple, common Greek word, diakonia, and it means service. The gifts may be used to get a ministry done, like a tool, but the body of Christ has ministries or services with service goals. Let me give you some examples of service goals that should uh, speak to you, and you should say, oh yeah, I, I, I know of that in Living Word Church. We could check that one off for our, for our own local church. Making disciples. I'm teaching this morning. A disciple means a student. If there's teaching and there are students, you're making disciples. Baptizing people. Educating children. Leading worship. I'm giving you examples of services that the local church can render to people. Make disciples, baptize people, educate children, lead worship, feed the poor, preach the word, collect and distribute material resources, keep people safe. I hope we can check some or all of those off, and there are many more. In five or six months, the elders of the church will be naming more deacons in our church. Deacons who are overseeing different services, or according to the King James Bible, administrations. Deacons oversee services, services of the church. We have some that oversee some of these endeavors that I've already mentioned to you. We have deacons over our music ministry. We have deacons over our food pantry and so on. We can include, when we talk about services, our local church's involvement in foreign missions. We do do support some foreign missions in Myanmar, and in India, to name a couple. But most of the services that a church has as part of its portfolio are local, very community-minded, very personal. They require knowledge of each other. They're very needed and driven at the local level. I don't care how hard you work at it, Internet missions always have a measure, a large measure of anonymity to them. Do you really know who you're talking to on the other side of the world? Do you really know what's going on there on the other side of the world? You know, we had a relationship with Brother Charles for, I think, 25 years or more. 
And it came to our attention finally that he was doing things with our support that we knew nothing about and that he was keeping from us. And that ended our support of his ministries. I'm sorry to say. We picked up the best we could with someone that was involved in his ministry, Brother Gary. How well do I know Brother Gary? Well, I can tell you, he was my translator in India for about 10 days. We traveled together, slept together, ate together, talked all day long. He, I was preaching there once or twice, sometimes even three times a day, and he would translate for me, and we would talk about the Word of God, and I felt like I got to know him a bit. But is he even the same man today that he was then? Uh, we pray so, and I think he is, and we're continuing in our support of him. But, you know, brothers and sisters, there's always a little bit of a question mark that looms. Amen? A bit of a question mark looms. We're doing the best we can. We want to help the needy there in India. Sometimes people say the world has become a village. Do you believe it? The Bible is laced with local concern, like Paul's city-by-city work and all the names he knew, you don't really know the people that you only know through the internet. The services, or in the King James, the administrations in verse 5, it cares, and it's called by Christ to the locality where God placed his people. There's no internet or online substitute for face-to-face ministry. Can I hear an amen? Do you believe that? For personal knowledge, for personal involvement, and giving help to each other. Oh, say, okay, so now we've talked about gifts and services in King James administrations. The final one is in King James operations in verse 6, in simpler terms, works. Gifts are spiritual giftings. There's nine of them listed in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12. Services are mostly local endeavors that have mission goals. The gifts will be used to help those mission goals go forward. And finally, the third one is works. And this is the mission once it hits the ground. This is the mission where the mission gets traction. Every deacon is going to need middle managers. Every deacon will have to delegate some tasks to workers. Every ministry will need workers who are well-suited to their roles. We have so many workers at school that I always say, when Living Word Academy opens one day, one minute, it is a miracle because we have so many workers that are making that happen. Amen? That is, in the King James Bible, verse 6, there are diversities of operations, works. Every ministry needs workers. We need workers to make the ministry happen. You know how many people work. So many people work and work hard just to make a church meeting possible. We've got cleaning. We've got doormen. We've got security. We've got sound guys. We've got light guys. We've got all kinds of workers just to make 
it possible to to meet on a Sunday morning? Workers. Take them all away. And we would still have a meeting on Sunday morning one way or another, right? But it wouldn't be pretty. We expect the workers to be faithful. We expect them to execute their tasks. And as time goes on, to grow in expertise and to grow in responsibility. We expect God to raise up from the workers deacons. And from the deacons, elders. And from the elders, pastors. I'm very big on trajectory. I think I see trajectory in the Bible. And I intend as lead pastor to create a path to growth. A path to leadership. A path to greater influence that is clearer to you and better known to you so you can get on it and move. Notice we eliminated the cleaning crews for the school and for the church. Enough of working there. Grow! Been doing it for 30 years. God bless you. I think you proved yourself. From worker to deacon to elder to pastor. And let's close this morning with a passage that begins at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. By the way, it says here, do all speak with tongues? It's a rhetorical question, and we would expect to hear the answer, no. But that's referring to a particular kind of tongue. That's referring to the tongue that is spoken more forcefully in church, gets attention put on to it, and then is interpreted by the same person who spoke it or by another person. Do all speak with that kind of tongue? No. But I want to be on record as saying, I believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit and the prayer tongue that comes with being filled with the Holy Ghost is available to every brother and sister who comes to Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 31, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. When it says in this passage, first, secondarily, thirdly, I don't think it's speaking of time order here. I think it's speaking of importance order, because it ends with the best gifts. The best. These are ranked at the good that they do to people. Gifts, services, and works are inextricably intertwined. Gifts of the Holy Ghost are mentioned in this passage. Do you see it? Miracles, do you see it? Prophets, with the gift of prophecy, right? 
Prophets with the gift of prophecy. Teachers with the word of knowledge. Do you see it? Miracles. Gifts of healings. Do you see the gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned here? They're not only listed one time, they're listed here as well. And these are to be operating in the local church because they do a lot of good for a lot of people. Do you hear me? They do a lot of good for a lot of people. And the Lord gives in His living organism called the church, this body that is in, intertwined and intractable from each other. We are bound together as a body. He gives gifts to the body. He gives functions to the body. He gives services to the body. He gives works to the body. There are apostles, there are prophets, there are miracles, there are gifts of healing, there are interpretation of tongues, there are helps, there are governments. Brothers and sisters, and I want to end this morning by, by uh, challenging you and encouraging you to continue to pray that there be an outpouring of God's Spirit on this congregation and that the gifts of healing would come to the surface. That there would be a manifestation of the gifts of healing. They're right here, mentioned twice. Mentioned twice right here. In addition to being mentioned in the list of the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost, a lot of people can have a lot of good done to them by the gifts of healing. Whether they receive the healing themselves or they hear about the wonderful way that God is with a local church called on Court Street Road in Lincourt, New York. God is with those people. God is visiting those people. God can get a lot of good out of that, brothers and sisters. Not only for the personal relief that we need, but as a testimony to the living God. It will make it clear that we are not just an institution, but that way we are the flesh and bones of Jesus Christ in this world. Hallelujah! That we're His flesh and bones here. The gift of him, wherever Jesus went in the flesh and in bones, when he was in this world, he healed people. Hallelujah. It makes it clear that we're more than an institution. We are the body of Christ. And I now uh, have said my piece, enough of me. If you'd like to come forward and pray, if you have an intuition that is moving in your heart, especially as it relates to healing. All of the nine gifts work through intuition. They all work by faith, every one of them, all nine of them. You could stay where you are and pray, or you can come forward and pray. Worship team, follow your intuition.